Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. I'm your host Chris Marshall. As always, I hope you are keeping well and staying safe. And for the first time in a wee while, we are back meeting a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. This time around, I am joined by one of Scotland's most recent exports to the continent. She's probably best known for her spell with Avernian in the SWPL and has also represented Scotland at youth level, as well as playing for Western Illinois University in the US collegiate system. She's now playing her trade in Bulgaria with, okay, we're going to get this right, FC Pirin Bligovgrad. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by goalkeeper Jenny Curry. Jenny, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'd be good with the pronunciation. I'll be practicing it a little bit beforehand, but was that still was that better or worse? That was that was close. That was close. Awesome. <laughs> That'll um, do. How, um, how you doing? How's things? I'm good, yeah. Good. Cool. Uh, so I thought uh, I saw Jenny put a wee tweet up last week saying that uh, the Bulgarian league was uh, getting back to action, and obviously with the Scottish Women's uh, Premier League it's looking to be heading back start of April. I thought, why not get some pointers from somebody who's who's going to be back at it a lot sooner than we are and also find out a little bit about football in Bulgaria and obviously a little bit about, about yourself first of all as well Jenny but before we get started how's how's kind of lockdown pandemic life been for you these last few months? Uh, it's been all right yeah Bulgaria I mean we weren't hit quite as bad as the UK but then obviously I went home for Christmas and Bulgaria then banned British citizens from coming back so I was stuck Stuck at home for a bit. So I was, uh, was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, was it a case of you um, were were in Bulgaria most of that time, or were you at home, or what was the kind of kind of breakup for you? So I went home at the start of December, and then it wasn't until Christmas that Bulgaria decided not to let me back. Um, <laughs> so it was mid February that I came back. So I've been um, back a month now. And what did you, in terms of like coming back, did you have to quarantine? Did you have to do extra testing? What was it? Or was it just a case of Bulgaria kind of opened up again so it was safe for you to come? Uh, I had to provide a negative test before I, before I flew. Cool. So you're now back in Bulgaria, which is where you're talking from just now. We had to do a bit of time zone coordinating because I've got this wrong in the past, but you helped me out of that, which is awesome. Um, so I think before we talk about Bulgaria, because I think that, that'll be an interesting part, I think we better get to know a little bit about yourself first of all, Jenny. So... Um, what's, let's start at the very beginning it's always the best place to start what, what's kind of your earliest memories of football in terms of like playing it, watching it like your kind of genesis as a, as a footballer um, well I started playing when I was about five or six just for the local boys team um, my older brother played so I was like oh, why not get involved too uh, when I was about 12 was when I moved to a girls team, Musselboro Windsor um, and from there like got involved in you know the regional squads national camps and everything that kind of took off from there when you uh, started playing did you set out to be a goalkeeper or were you an outfielder that has gone back the way uh i do have vague memories of being a defender but <laughs> I, <laughs> but i think um when i played for the boys team our goalkeeper got injured and so they asked you know a couple of players how do you fancy being a keeper and I was like, I volunteered. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, and never looked back from there. So I was probably nine, ten years old. <laughs> that's, that's It's unusual because a lot of times people say they kind of started further up the field. And it's kind of been a similar story where somebody said they've gone and go, but uh, volunteering for it. Like, can you remember what made you go just go, I was it just a case of somebody needs to do it and you just thought, I'll take the, take the reins? I think 
I'm pretty sure no one else wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, why why not? You know, it looks fun. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned Musselburgh Windsor. For, for people that don't know lots about women's football in Scotland, Musselburgh Windsor are quite a... In terms of that kind of that age group where you were kind of there, they're quite a successful club in terms of some of the players that have kind of gone through their system. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we had a lot of players, I mean, a lot of players now that um, went through all the regional squads and the national team. Uh, it, was a, it was a big club to play for, but it was also the most local club for me. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty convenient and it's good to be part of it. Did you have it? Have you had any like teammates that have gone on to kind of represent Scotland or anything like that during that time? Um, I can't. I don't know about Scotland, but I know Kirsten Riley. Um, we played together at Musselburgh, and she now she's with Rangers. Yep. Um. That's okay. I just put, sorry, that was just dropping you on the spot with that one. So, uh, a little bit. <laughs> so, in terms of like, so obviously playing as uh, as so playing a boys team, then moving moving to a girls team. Who were your kind of inspirations football wise growing up? Like, did you have? I know that from speaking to a lot of people, a lot of people would have said male players because they were the ones that were most out there. Did you have male players? Was there any female players that you looked up to at all? Uh, well, I grew up a Hearts fan, so my dad would always take me to Hearts games. So Craig Gordon was like number one. He was just amazing to me. Um, and then I think uh, Van der Sar, like I used to watch Man United play and he was just, you know, world class. Um, didn't really have, you know, women's games weren't on TV or anything. So at that age, I didn't really have women's players that I looked up to. Did they... <laughs> Did you watch them and think that that was something that you could go on to do, like play play as a goalkeeper in a in a senior side, or did you as you mentioned they want those women's figures to look up to, or easily found women's figures to look up to, like there was the men's game? Um, you know, I think I just played because I enjoyed it. I never really thought, oh, this could be something I could do professionally. I don't think that was growing up. That was never the goal until more recently where, you know, it's becoming more popular. It's becoming more available to be a professional women's football player. It's just, that's been the goal for the last few years now. Um, so you've, uh, you're obviously over in Bulgaria just now, but before you um, moved over, you were at Hibs. Um, that's probably where most people are probably most associated with, is that probably fair to say? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that. Yeah. What was what was what was your thing like at Hibs? Because obviously it was a, a period where the club were having lots of success, especially in the cups. Yeah, it was uh, it was great being there. Um, I think when I signed for Hibs, like I knew what I was signing up for. Like obviously, Jenna Fife was the number one keeper, and they didn't have a second keeper when I signed. Um, so. I went there for, you know, the high quality training, the coaching, training with such top players and to have the experience of going to the Champions League and, you know, winning cups and everything. It was incredible for me as a player and for me as a person developing as a player. Yeah, it was definitely something. <laughs> I was One of the questions I was actually going to ask you, because you mentioned obviously Jenna, who made her competitive debut for Scotland, uh, 
not that long ago from the point we're recording this. What what's it like when you sign? You've mentioned you knew you signed, knowing that Jenna was there. How, what do you do as a, as a as a kind of backup keeper? What's your role in like the day to day in terms of the training and then match days um, when it comes to that preparation? Um, well, I think for me, like like I said, I signed knowing Jenna was there, so it was a gamble I took from my own development as a player. Like I could have gone somewhere else to get game time or whatever, but I knew my long term goals were to better myself as a player. And I knew I was going to get that by working with such a top keeper, working with top coaches. Um, so training was pretty standard, like we'd focus on what we both needed to work on. Um, Chris Flocker, goalie coach, he's he was brilliant with us. Um, but I think having, having another player to kind of bounce off of to work with, it was good for both of us. Um, I think it really helped me grow as a player and even learn new things that I probably didn't know I needed to work on because each keeper has their own kind of strengths and weaknesses. So there were some things that I picked up that I was like, all oh, right, yeah, I could use this. Do you think that there's a, so it's one of the things it's talked about quite a lot. It's probably, probably the most talked about position in women's football outside of women's football, the goalkeeper is maybe a fair thing to say. Do you think that's, do you think that's probably a, a fair comment? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand the position. Uh, I know watching men's games and listening to, you know, the commentators, they, a keeper can make a point-blank save, you know, right at them, and they won't really get any credit for it. But other players that aren't goalkeepers don't really get all the training that went into that goal, that goalkeeper being in that exact position at that exact time to make that save, they just see it as oh, it was lucky that the goalkeeper was there. But it was so much training on that position that kind of, you know, I think goalkeepers get judged a lot, over judged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Chris Flockhart, and I, I did a podcast with Emily Much uh, a wee while ago, and she mentioned yeah. this as well. Like how. How significant do you think it is that the fact that a club like Hibs have, and more clubs are getting them now, like having dedicated goalkeeping coaches, which, let's be honest, there has been a shortage of in the women's game for, for quite a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, working with a good goalkeeping coach is so important. Like, there's been times in my past where it's been, you know, one of the outfield players that'll just take you and volley a few balls at you. And it's just it doesn't help you as a player. Like you need, you need someone who's qualified in that position to critique what you're doing so that like, I need someone to tell me, okay, this step was wrong. Like just tiny little bits of your movement that affects, can affect your whole game. And so you need someone who knows all that information to tell you like, okay, if you adjust this, you're going to make that safe. Like you're going to do so much better. And so not having that kind of, yeah, in the past it's been difficult to improve my game when it's just me trying to correct things when I'm not sure what I'm really doing wrong. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. Do you think that then the, the notion of the goalkeeper's union 
the fact because there's always the chat about uh, parents shoot out goalkeepers always like best friends because no, none of them can really lose. Um, do you think the goalkeepers union is a thing? Do you, do you believe in that as a like when you're playing a game at the end of the game do you have a wee conversation with the opposite keeper? Is it something that that kind of is a, a thing that translates to the women's game as well? Oh, hundred percent. I think because we only we understand what it's like to be in our position. You know, like how it feels if we make a mistake, how it feels to succeed as a goalkeeper. I think there's a totally different mindset, even a different approach to games, to training and to football itself. Um, and it gives us that, you know, that one thing in common. But no, the goalkeepers union definitely exists. Is there um, anybody that's kind of playing in goal, like just now in, in world football in the women's game that you kind of look up to or you think is kind of at the top of their game just now? I, other than Jenna, I think you've given Jenna big props already. <laughs> um... Is there anybody even in the men's game at the moment that you just kind of look at and go, that's, that's the kind of keeper I want to be? I do so, watch, I watch a lot of Premier League games, so I'd say Ederson is just, I think he's an incredible keeper, like the way he can pick out passes just so easily, like he just makes it look so easy. Is that something that you like? You think you're, you're one of your skills or is it something you want to develop in terms of that, being a goalkeeper first? Because that's something that's becoming more common, I think, the kind of the goalkeeper that's almost like a part of the defence when you're on the attack. Yeah, it's more like the, the modern day goalkeeper. Um, that yeah, first first line of defence, like we first line of attack. Um, it is becoming more common for goalkeepers to need to use their feet, to need to play, you know, those difficult passes over the top or through the middle, um, and playing out for them from the back is, you know, it's an it's an easier way to keep possession and to move up the pitch in a controlled way rather than just, you know, keepers would just boot the ball up to the middle of the park and 50-50 hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, totally. Do you ever, um, do you ever find, and I'm curious to your take on as a keeper, when playing out at the back and a team kind of squeeze on top, do you ever feel like that puts you under a bit more pressure or is it you just kind of relax, you trust your teammates that it's going to, between you all, you're going to get out the out the defensive end? I think as long as, like, you need to have that trust with your defenders that they can play under pressure. Because I've been in teams where the defenders might just, as soon as a player closes on down, they'll just clear it. But then we do so much, like, possession games in small areas at training that defenders are we're used to playing the ball, you know, under pressure. And that's what you need. You need to know that your defenders are comfortable playing the ball under pressure and playing the ball back to you as well. So that, and if you do get in trouble, then, you know, play the ball back and the keeper can clear it or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, we've kind of talked about Hibs and Jenna and coaching stuff. You obviously, we also know that you're in Bulgaria just now and that happened towards the back end of last year. Is that right? In terms of when the kind of first move came about? Um, it was, yeah, start of August I came out here. What, so what prompted the move from, from let's, let's be honest, like, as you say, kind of near home to Bulgaria, which let's, is not a country that everybody would think of, first of all, and then yeah. a part of Bulgaria where people would be like, I, I, I don't even know where that is in Bulgaria. So how did that move come about, first of all? 
Uh, well, like last Christmas, there was a lot of changes at Hibs, like staff and players. Um, and so I started kind of debating, you know, what the right path for me was for my to reach my long-term goals. Um, and then obviously lockdown hit. So that was another, you know, training was cancelled, games cancelled. Um, so it did give me a chance to look at other options. So my agent at Ignite, had a few teams like around Europe, uh, but with the pandemic, it was, you know, things were moving really slowly and a lot of leagues around Europe were stopped. Um, so then out of the blue one day he was like, oh, how do you fancy Bulgaria? And I was like, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but why not? Let's see what, see what's up. So he sent my stuff out. Um, I got in touch with the manager here. And the manager said he wanted me out here within the week, pretty much. So I was like, well, it's an opportunity. Um, I can't, can't really say no, like middle of lockdown. So packed everything up and here I am. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. We were talking just before we started recording as well that George Oakley, who is now at Kilmarnock in the men's game, was out at the same club that you're at. Obviously not the women's team, that'd be weird. But I like at the men's <laughs> at, the, at the men's side over there. Yeah. Um, and I was having a look at it for is, is there kind of like a, a project on the go in, uh, for, for FC Burn just now in terms of them trying to establish themselves as a club? So uh, before I got here, there was a lot of changes happening. Um, there was a new owner had just purchased the club completely. So a lot of money has gone into like totally refurbing it. Um, to make it more successful. Like the men's team play in the second division. I think they're top of the league right now, but they brought in uh, Warren Feeney, played for Northern Ireland. Uh, so he's manager for the men's team, uh, brought in you know a few British players, a few international players. And so they're doing really well. And then they decided to make a women's team. So this is the first year that Piran have actually had a women's team. So the goal for us is obviously to, you know, win our league. And uh, what, what league so what league is it? And you're was it second tier at the moment? Is there what is it well actually here's a probably an easier question. What's like the state of women's football in Bulgaria just now? Is there like two divisions? So there's it, just you know? one league. Uh so it's the women's championship. And I think right now there's twelve teams. There was a lot, I'm sure there was only about eight last year. So there's been a lot of movement with the women's football. Um, it's definitely a lot more um, investment going into it. Like even just from last year to now, a lot more money going in. You know, it's a work in progress, but there's been TV deals. Like I think one game a week, every weekend is going to be shown on live TV. Um, a lot more promotion on social media and yeah so it's all it's all pretty brand new but you know I, I think it's headed in the right direction It must be quite quite exciting to like turn up at a, a club that's not existed before um, what, what was that kind of first day like because I'm assuming you wouldn't have been the only person turning up in Bulgaria a bit kind of like well is this opportunity so that that kind of first coming together as a squad, what was what was that like? Yeah, I think it was um, 
it was exciting. And I, looking back now, it's quite quite a blur because the first day I arrived just went like I hadn't even met the coach yet I was taken to a hotel and then you know taken up to the stadium and went through just a ton of paperwork and uh, met the team and everything and so basically they'd taken like another women's team that weren't professional and taken them in to become kind of parent because it was so last minute like the chairwoman of the club was like right we need a professional women's team in you know a matter of weeks the season's starting soon <laughs> um so it is still you know a work in progress it's not perfect but yeah we're we're doing well <laughs> so um obviously the season starts this coming weekend um yeah. how's how's preparations going for that season it's good yeah um so I got back here start of February. So we missed, I missed the first month of training. They started back training at the start of January. Uh, so as soon as I got back, we left for our pre-season camp in a town called Sandansky, which was, you know, it was lovely and it was good to spend a bit, a bit of time with the team. Um, but basically we're training every day. Uh, and it's, I think it's going well. Have you have you already sized up your rival and, and goals? Are you have you already got that that relationship kind of going in terms of who's going to be number one at the start of the season? Or have you have you had the nod? Did you not know yet? Are you going to find out on Sunday? Uh, I think I think I'll find out on Sunday, but I'm I'm pretty confident. Pretty confident. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned uh, going away for the camp and lovely. What's what's living in Bulgaria like? in general like just in terms of day-to-day life different part of the world for a lot of a lot of people um not somewhere i've been and i'd like to think i get about quite a bit um so what what's life like kind of day-to-day like in Bulgaria? obviously it's a little bit surreal at the moment given the current situation but i think you were saying earlier on as well that it's not quite as severe as it is as over here at the moment yeah i mean when i first got here everything was basically open like we we're going to nightclubs on weekends um pretty much every day just sitting outside having coffees you know in the sun it's probably one of the most laid-back countries I've ever been to like everyone just seems just so chill with everything that's great it's yeah it's refreshing I bet, I bet that can't, especially because um, here just now is like maybe the, the complete opposite of that it's probably fair to say um, yeah <laughs> kind of the way it needs to be at the moment um but it, it, in terms of like way of life is it because i so for example I, I used to live in spain for a bit and obviously the their body clocks are co- completely different it took me a wee while to get get in line with that what's it like in bulgaria is it similar to here in terms of like you have your breakfast you have your lunch you have your dinner is there any kind of weird kind of cultural quirks that you had taken a wee while to get used to um i mean i think it's pretty similar like you say in spain like they it's like they start a bit later um, and they stay, they work later as well. So you see, you even see kids running around the streets at like 10 o'clock at night. And that just seems to be normal. Like that's past my bedtime. (laughs) And they have their dinner at like, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. So it's, yeah, kind of have to shift your body clock to adjust to their schedule. (laughs) 
And in terms of like Overgrad, where where is it like near the coast? Is it mountains? Where's the kind of location wise? So we, I think where the city is, it kind of feels like it's in a valley because it's just completely surrounded by mountains. Absolutely gorgeous. Like the views are just incredible. Um, and it's only, I think about an hour from the Greek border. So an hour north of Greece and then Sofia, the capital, is just another hour north of us. So it's pretty much, it's near the Pyrrhon Mountains as well. So, you know, a lot of good hiking trails. Do you think that's one of the benefits of taking a, a leap such as this is because up until this move happened, you would never have known about those mountains and you would have never known... You've already you've said that a couple of times, kind of unprompted about how beautiful a place like Bulgaria, which doesn't sound very glamorous, can be if you just kind of embrace it. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, it, I never would have even known it existed. And it's just, it is a really, like, our, our training pitch, the backdrop of our training pitch is just like, you know, the mountains still have snow on them and everything. And it's just, you kind of get distract, distracted. <laughs> like it, is, it is just gorgeous. And it's not something. I kind of expected when I came out here. There, um, female players in Scotland are pretty good at going out. Obviously, you, we talked. I mentioned right at the start. Obviously, you went over to the US, and a lot of players have done that before. Um, and obviously, players have kind of gone to Scandinavia. Obviously, WSL's got lots of players down there in, in the championships. Do you think women's players are better at pushing themselves abroad than the men's game, or do you think it's something that could still be done even more? What's what's your kind of thoughts now? You've kind of taken that big plunge yourself, and especially in terms of where you've decided to go. Um, I think for women's players, if you want to be professional, like it's taken a while for the Scottish game to really get where it is today. So, and it still has a lot, you know, a lot of ways to go. Um, but if you want to be professional, it does take leaving and maybe going further afield to find what you're looking for. Whereas I feel like opportunities for men have just always been there everywhere like you don't have to travel very far like even as a kid playing you know I had to travel half an hour to play for Musselboro Windsor but all the boys I grew up with you know there's so many local boys teams and there was never a local girls team so I think it's just kind of ingrained in us that you do have to kind of go further to get what you're looking for do you think that's a, a, well, I'm going to say, do you think it's a good trait to have? I think it's a good trait for these to have. So I'm going to say, do you think it's a good trait to have? I assume you're probably going to agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, let's let's fast forward then to, to Sunday. Obviously, we've already talked about the game. Um, what's what's the expectations for Pudding this season then in terms of, you've obviously mentioned new team in the league, 12-team league, still uh, developing, but it sounds like it's getting some good traction at kind of national level. What's kind of expectations for, for Pudding this season? Yeah, um, we are currently sitting fifth in the league. So we're halfway through our season, uh, sitting fifth in the league with a game in hand. But hopefully, if things go well, I think we're aiming for top three. Like it is going to be the top, I'd say, seven teams. It's really close. Like we're still really close on, on points. So... It's going to be difficult, but uh, I think we can do it. 
And um, in terms of the, the level compared to the SWPL, what, what's your thoughts been on it in terms of, um, is it kind of higher standard, same standard, a bit of a mixed bag, which can sometimes happen in women's football, we, we all know that. Is it, or is it, how would you kind of pitch it? Um, compared to the Premier League, I'd say probably it's a lower standard just now, but that does have a lot to do with, you know, the coaching opportunities just not being available for young players. There's no real pathway for youth players to go through. And like I said, this is, you know, the team I play for is one of the first professional women's teams in the country. And it's only our first year. So there's definitely a long way to go, but, you know, I don't think they're actually that far behind. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I think we've seen that kind of globally as well with the women's game. Now is once, once you kind of, somebody puts her, gets their teeth into it, it can progress quite quickly. So hopefully that's something that, that kind of happens across the board as well. Um, I'll tell you what, We've kind of talked about kind of football. We've talked about Bulgaria. I've talked about growing up. Let's let's do some kind of getting to know Jenny Jenny Curry stuff before we wrap up. <laughs> so um, just some quick fire questions. Nothing too heavy. I'm not that kind of guy. But um, <laughs> first one: Who's the best player that you've played with? Oh, oh, that's difficult. Um... You know, I'd have to actually say <laughs> uh, Rachel Boyle, Smalley, the hips. Yeah. She's just such a composed player and, the, yeah, talent. Uh, are you a sweet or a savoury person? Oh, savoury, all savory. the way. Yeah, I, I like that. What's, what's, you've obviously been in Bulgaria, got home for Christmas, but is there anything you've been missing from Scotland that you just, you can't get? Uh, over over in Bulgaria for that. Um, well, I've still not managed to find any Chinese or Indian food. Oh, really? Over here, so that's you know I would have thought I'd find a bit of that, but just doesn't seem to exist. <laughs> so the, your biggest miss from Scotland is Chinese and Indian food. I think that says a lot. <laughs> I think that says a lot about um, <laughs> our, our about Scottish food. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, that's fair enough. Um, what about has there been anything in Bulgaria that you've had that you've gone, oh, do you know what? This is a bit of me. I quite like this. It's something I'll maybe have when, if I can find when I get home. You know, something just so simple. So they do um, this salad called a Shopska salad. Okay. And it's just like tomato and cucumber, basically with cheese. And it's, I just never would have thought to make that a salad. And yet I have it. Almost everywhere I go, I order it because it's just delicious. That's, that's one of my favourite things about going somewhere is finding something you're just like, oh, this just, oh, right, okay, this is brilliant. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Um, what's in your Spotify playlist? What, what's what you listen to at the most at the moment? Oh, you, everything. Uh, Absolutely everything. <laughs> are, you a, are you like a, so for me, I'm a bit of a song. I just kind of dot around songs. I don't really listen to albums, but are you, uh, yeah. is, is there anything that's been on repeat a little bit recently? Um, well, the Kings of Leon album just came out, so nice. I've kind of had that on repeat. But apart from that, I'm pretty similar. It's just you know a few songs from each each artist. I, I think yeah, I've found that with Spotify, it's dead easy just to 
kind of dot about because you don't you don't have to sit and listen to one like a full CD, for example. Yeah, or even I just put on the Discover Weekly and yes. that's me. I'll probably never hear the songs ever again, but... That's just something that always worries me. Like, I might hear a really good song and then I'll forget like I'll forget to save it and I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going to hear that again. And then you hear I do like, that all the time. Yeah, you know, like a year later and you're just like, oh, that's that song. And then you have to save it. <laughs> so yeah, Discover Weekly is good for that, but it's also very bad for that as well. Yeah. Um, what about streaming? Are you, are you into Netflix, Amazon Prime? Do you watch? Do you binge watch any TV shows? Um, yeah, um, just got Netflix back just now, so I've been looking for some new shows to watch. I kind of just stick with, uh, you know, the usual Grey's Anatomy. Nice. <laughs> or uh, the Hundred. What, what's, was, what's the Hundred? It's uh, it's pretty sci-fi kind of. It's really good. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also use this for getting recommendations as well. So I'll take a lot of them. Um, and I'll tell you what, last one. If you, if Piven were to get their team at this season, the finishing top three, and you were in charge of organising the celebration party, how how would you organise a, a night out in in Bulgaria to celebrate? Well, I wouldn't have Bulgarian music. That's for a start. <laughs> they play that everywhere I go, and you know, it just—it's not not a bit of me. <laughs> well, what's 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 the kind of Bulgarian music? Like, what's the kind oh, of? It's, uh, I can't even describe it. <laughs> it's just, you know, they love it, but to me, it just sounds like noise. Yeah, no, I, I can appreciate that. So that's that's fair. So there wouldn't be any Bulgarian music. Is there, have you mentioned obviously you kind of been able to kind of go out to nightclubs and cafes and stuff like that. Have you got any favorite? Have you developed any favorite haunts anywhere? Have you kind of oh, there's there's Scottish Jenny like coming in. <laughs> Has that happened yet? I haven't actually. Um, there is one. There's one club in town that plays like British music uh, called Underground. Nice. So that seems to be that's the that's the go-to place. But you know, my teammates want to go listen to Bulgarian music, so <laughs> <laughs> I just need to kind of go with them or go somewhere myself. Have you have you have you picked up any of the language? Have you a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, very difficult because it's not it's not normal uh, normal letters is the wrong way to say it but it's not it's not letters as we recognize them in terms of it's not standards no yeah. not your standard alphabet that probably that's probably the hardest thing to get my head around is like i can understand words and i can say words but then as soon as they're written down i'm yeah. like absolutely not <laughs> so do you oh here's a question do you, do you then have your name on the back of your shot I or don't. Just, you don't. No, oh, so you're not. Don't. So you don't have one of these kind of novelty where your name's in curry, but it's in Bulgarian. Because that'd be actually, a thing to have. The men's team, their names are in English, like oh, oh, really? English writing. So I thought that was interesting because everything else is in Bulgarian. Like people don't even really speak English here. That's that's so, interesting. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's good. What's yeah? Uh, what's have you got like a, a stock Bulgarian phrase? So if you were doing this with a Bulgarian podcaster and they were like asked you how you are, what, why would you kind of answer it? Uh, well, like to say how are you is kaxi, kaxi, kaxi. So then you're like dobre, which is just okay. I'm fine. Sound good. Cool. Um, kaxi dobre. Kaxi dobre. 
See you. <laughs> I, 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 obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see it, but the shoulder movements are happening as the well. Shoulder, the, shoulder, the, shoulder, yeah. the shoulders, the shoulders sell it all the time as well. Uh, cool. So, uh, well, I'll tell you a question. How do you say goodbye then? Uh, they just say ciao. Ciao. Oh, that's even easier. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Debray. Ciao. Cool. Ciao. Awesome. Um, well, I think I've taken you down a big enough tangent, so I, I think I can, I can maybe let you go. Um, games on Sunday. Who, who are you playing on Sunday? Sivlevo. <laughs> Sivlevo. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. So, um, oh dear me. So, yeah, Pirelli against Sivlevo on Sunday. If I, I find a way to be able to watch it, I'll try and get something up on the leading line Twitter feed or something like that. But, um, Jenny, thank you, very, thank you very much for coming on. It's really appreciated. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell everybody else about it. Um, obviously, SWPL season's coming back, so we'll hopefully get some more interviews out ahead of then. But for now, stay safe and we will speak again soon. It doesn't make me smile.